0: Are PR, pro cannabis media.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And today we're going to another country. That's right. We're going to connect with a gentleman that I met at Canex 2019. And it was an amazing experience being in Jamaica because I ran into some of the most impressive people you'll ever want to meet in the cannabis industry. I mean, Doug Gordon runs it down there. But you know what? Bruce Linton was there. Steve D'Angelo was there. And so was Captain Hooter. Hello, Captain Hooter. How are you?
0: sir. How are you today? Reporting for duty. That's right. And you, sir, you're in Jamaica now, aren't you? In Jamaica now, I, I escaped out of the Netherlands about a month ago, just under a month ago. And uh, I had two weeks of uh, being in quarantine here and I've had about a week and a half now uh, out in the wilderness, out and exploring. And I'm thrilled that I made the escape.
1: Well, I, you know what, I'm extremely jealous because as I look outside your window, I see palm trees. And as I look outside my window, I see a foot and a half of snow. Okay. It's been cold and wintry here in the greater Boston area, but I'm glad that you're bringing a little warmth on a cold winter day to me and the people that uh, follow the In the Weeds podcast. So again, uh, thanks so much. Now tell us, tell the people you wrote a book years ago, if I remember correctly, about the reviews of the Amsterdam coffee houses. Is that
0: accurate? Yeah, this was, uh, uh, (laughs) to to do a quick story, Uh, my father passed away. I came back to Amsterdam. I was looking for a new project, for something to do. My friend from Toronto called me and he says, I'm coming uh, and he says, I'm gonna have a visit with you. What's the best coffee shop? And he knew that over the previous 30 years, I had been coming back and forth to Amsterdam for the traditional high times cannabis cups. And my first one I think was in 1995. And so I had a chance to meet, you know, Jack Herrera himself, uh, I, uh, Steve Herrera. Uh, do, do you remember um, the guy that used to, uh, uh, Chef Ra, I think is, was his name. And he used to cook. He was the, the cooking editor. And he was, um, we got to meet all of those guys, met all the owners of all the coffee shops and had been coming back for years and years. So he asked me, what's the best coffee shop? And I told him off the cuff that I didn't know because I hadn't been to all of them. And there was a silence on the, on the line. And he says, dude, <laughs> if, see, has anybody ever done it before? And I, we Googled it, checked it out. No one person had ever been to all the coffee shops in Amsterdam. And immediately, boom, this was a job for Captain Hooter. And that was, that was literally the, the creation of Captain Hooter. I laid out a schedule. I figured out how many coffee shops I would have to go to every single day uh, to to also maintain the law, you know, because you can only legally have five grams a day when you're out purchasing it. So I didn't want to break any rules because I was going to be documenting it all. (laughs) You know, I don't want to bust myself for doing something that was against the law. So I followed all the rules. Um, I started the process. There was one hundred and sixty nine coffee shops. So um, I started off, I went about a week into the process, a week and a half, and I, I almost stopped the project because I was running into cultivar after cultivar after cultivar that said it was one thing, but my nose and my experience and, you know, I knew just enough to know that that wasn't right, you know? And there were some things I knew just like the back of my hand, like Snoop Dogg's Cali Kush, right? I, I know Snoop Dogg's Cali Kush, you know, with my eyes closed, and I ran into one of the coffee shops that was selling Snoop Dogg's Cali Kush, and I walked in there, and I just couldn't even believe what I saw, and I told the that coffee shop owner, I said, you better not ever let Snoop Dogg find out that you sold this garbage and put his name on this thing right here. This <laughs> is horrific, and he he comes here. I said, he comes here, dude. You do not want to be letting, no, pick pick another name. Call it Madonna or... Pick out some star from the '80s and you know name it after them. Don't name it after Snoop Dogg. Um, <laughs> so you know, I I I I started to think though that maybe I didn't have the skills to really do this job justice the way I thought I did, and I literally ended up connecting with Max Montrose. I think you know Max Montrose from the TriCom Institute. I know. Um, I
1: know. Of, yes, I do actually. I know
0: of him anyway. Yeah. absolutely brilliant. I call him the Yoda of cannabis the he, there he knows like it's such a beautiful encyclopedia on every single element of this plant and he immediately identified what my issue was I needed to I needed to up my skills so that's when I, I went into a crash master's course on his uh, um, interpreting course uh, immediately started incorporating all of those things that I learned from his class and I got in touch with uh, Um, my son-in-law who is a Somalia and he was giving me insights as to, you know, the way that a real true Somalia does this is after breakfast and before lunch. And then there might be another period that'll be before dinner and where your, your taste buds will be at their premium and, and you'll be able to consume more. Right. So I just started incorporating all of this, this great information and put my head down and I went to all 169 shops. And then out of those 169 shops, um, uh, first of all, let me let me just say that what I did is I really tried to evaluate all the shops the same way that they did the Michelin uh, restaurants. You know, they all went in, they do the exact same things, say the exact same words in every single shop, and I evaluated on five primary things, which were the, you know, the quality and the, the variety of cultivars that they had available, the overall cleanliness of the coffee shop, which is really, really important. And this was even back then. We're not even talking about now, right? Right. Um, the, uh, the cannabis knowledge of the bud tenders. And I would usually had a question that I would ask them that was, you know, a general uh, question about whether I had anxiety or I had uh, depression issues. What would they recommend just to kind of see what their, their knowledge was? And then the overall hospitality and the friendliness to the customers, and that was a big deal in uh, in the first book that I did, um, especially during that time frame. For whatever reason, the coffee shops were not super friendly. Um, they were dishing out buds like they were hamburgers. And um, I I actually did a a master's class of, for their cannabis celebration, and I I told them that you know I said you're handling the bud in, inappropriately with your naked fingers like this, and you know, the attitudes, no smiles. Um, anyway, the last thing I, I rated on was also the convenience of the location and how close they were to, the, to good locations. I finished all 169, and then I went and I picked out 20 of the best that were there. And then I paired them with the best restaurants that were close by those coffee shops, because, you know, when you're arriving. And then I broke it down on how you're going to arrive. So if you arrive by airplane, it's early in the morning, uh, you're going to take a train into the center of town, then pre to Me would be your best place. They open at seven o'clock. They got great breakfast. And I just paired it by basically the convenience of how a tourist might arrive coming into Amsterdam.
1: Got it. And, and now you said there's a second book in the works?
0: Right. Well, it, was a, it was a second book, and I turned it into an article instead. In the beginning of last year, before the pandemic started to lock anything down, I started working on the follow up book, which was the top 20 coffee shops for 2020. And I did the exact same process, but instead of testing all 169, I took 20, the 20 that were the winners last time. And then I took the uh, other 25 that were the ones that came closest to winning last time, um, but missed for one thing or for another reason. So I threw them all into a bin, shook it all up, retested all of them completely random again, and then picked a brand new top 20 for 2020. Uh, I had the book pretty much done by June, but there were new two new coffee shops that were getting ready to open. And of course, everything was now locked down as of March. And they had didn't open, so you can't walk in for, you can only take to-go orders uh, instead <laughs> of uh, going. So I really didn't get a chance to finish the, the last element. And then One last coffee shop opened in September where you could see it because it's mostly a to-go place anyway, and it ended up being one of the winners for uh, this year, and uh, uh, so I was delighted and waited till then, but then I decided, who wants to buy a book right now? Nobody's traveling right this moment. This is something that I I worked on. Let me give it away as some some entertainment. So uh, my good friends over at uh, Cannabis Culture Magazine are are publishing it uh, here, I think, any day now, so it's about to come out and come live, and uh, uh, I'm very excited.
1: Well, you, you're an excitable guy anyway, Captain Hooter, I can tell. Uh, and and it, it's one of the things that's always I, I've always liked about you as a personality. <laughs> um, needless to say, 2020 has been a challenging year for everybody that has been affected by this pandemic. Uh, you certainly seem to be healthy. You've done your quarantining. As you look back at this year, can you come up with Three to five of the biggest stories in 2020. There's been so much movement uh, on a positive direction for cannabis advocacy. What would be your top five stories of 2020 in the cannabis world?
0: Right off the bat, um, I want to talk about the, uh, the Forgotten Prisoner pro- uh, Project, you know, the one uh, with Steve D'Angelo. Last I mean, the, the last, last prisoner. Pr- sorry, yep. sorry, sorry. Last, yeah. last prisoner. Dude, th- I mean, th- I think the progress that they have made this year. And yeah. the connections and the way that they have really got their roots out to people better. I've been so impressed with them. I'm actually working right now, you know, they have the, the program going on for the prisoners where you can write a letter to them right now um, yeah. while they're in prison, which is I thought was one of the greatest ideas ever. I'm working on five separate letters that I'm handwriting to prisoners for the holidays here. and. Uh, I think that, that was one of the, you know, the coolest things ever. Obviously, legally, there's been lots of progress. Um, and when I say progress, you know, I say asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Aster- you know, still, we have no idea what's gonna happen here. There's still shenanigans afoot with, with, the, uh, with the, the election. Uh, I've been telling people here in the Netherlands for the last four years, whenever they ask me about Trump and ask me about the whole thing, I'm going, there's a reason for everything. And I think that the the positive thing that's gonna come out of this is that everyone's gonna be so shocked and upset and disappointed by the time it's all over that we're gonna have this really strong wave that's gonna come in the other direction. And hopefully it's gonna be a strong enough wave that's gonna start this really heavy domino effect. Um, And I I don't know if that's still what's gonna happen. I'm I'm, I'm still hoping that that's the way this is gonna roll. Um, Things are progressing everywhere. Today, I read a story about Belgium. Belgium might be legalizing soon. Uh, in the in the Netherlands, you know they've they've got a lot of challenges. They've got a lot of things that they're doing that are um, interesting. And and uh, I I was actually at the end of when I was going around Europe, I was getting a little more excited about heading into Barcelona sometimes because the freedoms that they have there, that the growers have there, where the they're legal to grow there, and for the most part, and are able to. Get a higher quality product to the shops in the appropriate grow times, as opposed to what you see in the Netherlands a lot, which is a lot of. Uh, and and I please don't let me make it sound like I'm being uh, 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 a negative towards the buds in Amsterdam, because there are some amazing, incredible uh, cultivators there, and. I have really been impressed with, especially in the last year, some of the, the progress, but they're all still working with their hands behind their back, you know? Um, it's still illegal to be a grower. And they just started this new experiment and they picked, uh, I think 10 or there's 10 or 20 people who got licenses to be part of it. And I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. It's another government cannabis project. What could go wrong, right? um <laughs> a lot of things a, a lot
1: of things that so uh, what i'm hearing is um the five states that that voted for adult use legalization of cannabis in the united states at the uh, election time on the ballots to me uh, that has to be one of the biggest if not the biggest uh, story the fact that the us house of representatives voted positively on the more act which know, in theory, if you're just dealing with the House of Representatives, you know, wants cannabis to be legalized, opening up the banks, expunging the records. It was a lot of progress. It went absolutely nowhere in the Senate. However, there is certainly some movement in the Senate because all of a sudden the Senate now has approved the research bill that was handed to them last week about doing more research on cannabis. So, There's more movement afoot in the United States towards legalization now than there's ever been before. And it has
0: to be in the Senate. It has to be in the Senate now is where we have to. Because, I mean, we can spin around in the House all day long. And this is we have to make some progress. It's the reason why these Georgia elections are so important.
1: Right. Oh, no. In fact, how Georgia goes is going to be how the Senate goes. And, uh, the, you know, all eyes are on that. And I think the runoff is January 6th uh, down there. So we're going to know, certainly by Inauguration Day for the new president-elect Joe Biden, January 20th, just which direction the Senate is going to be. And wouldn't it be ironic that it truly it does come down to an even split and the vice president-elect Kamala Harris will be deciding whether legalization or pro-cannabis legislation moves forward. Um, That would be a huge huge step, right? Isn't that ironic, (laughs) right? Right, no, very much ironic. Hey, do you think you're gonna see the day, and again, you know, who knows, there's a couple of social clubs in California now. Massachusetts did vote that in, but that has gone absolutely nowhere since the voters said, we want social clubs in Massachusetts. Where, when do you, how long, five years, 10 years? Will you live to see the day when we'll have cannabis show, social clubs in the United States?
0: Well, there, there is this one already in Los Angeles and right. uh, I, 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 I've i been there and, and I, I have to say that it was, you know, if I wanted to stretch it and compare it to like any of the other places, like the hemp houses in Jamaica here or uh, any of the, uh, the, the, the cannabis clubs, or the associations in in Spain, or the uh, uh, the coffee shops in Amsterdam. That was a really beautiful coffee shop. It immediately would have went into the top three, if I were say just walking in. And that's the the Lowell Cafe, right? The, the right. One that's in, in Hollywood. Um. The the overall experience and the way that they put it together and. It, the pr- it's very its I thought it was very expensive in fact I spent the most amount of money on an eighth that I ever spent in my entire life there at that cafe but there's one a famous old uh, uh, quote that I use all the time it says the pain of poor quality endures far longer than the sweetness of good price so even though this was hundred dollars an eighth <laughs> and the most I had ever spent on on an eighth I said I'm going for it it turned out that the cultivator was somebody called a golden state. I don't know if you ever heard of them before. They nope. call them the Maybach of marijuana in, in, uh, in Hollywood. And let me just tell you, it talk about going down the rabbit hole. That was during my whole time that I was in California, and Las Vegas, that was probably in the w- number one or number two spot of the best cultivar that I tasted the whole time I was back in the United States. Wow. And I, I, tra- I tracked them down after trying that $100 eighth. Everywhere else, by the way, it's $70 and eight. Um, It's just that they add the, the percentage on there like wine would happen in, in a restaurant. That's what they do there. So you pay a percentage to the house in order to do it. And they bring you a beautiful tray with a bong and, and papers and pipes and all the accessories you could ever want to have, grinders and everything with your eighth. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> it um, sounds pretty cool. And of course, this was this pre-COVID or, or, they, or not. This was this was in December. This was in December. So to, to finish answering your question, though, I think it's very soon. And again, it's all has to do with this next drop. Whichever happens here, wherever we go, as soon as we get to a point where things are legalized, and then we can start moving in that direction where people can start innovating. I think it's just phew, you know, Tricom Institute is just getting ready to open a new class on culinary and it's tied in with one, one of the culinary institutes. A um, uh, legitimate industry are coming in and they're coming in at a, at a pretty quick rate. And I think that it's just a matter of time before, and the one place that it isn't gonna change is in Las Vegas, like in the casinos, right? Because we know that gambling and cannabis don't really go together well. Um, <laughs> alcohol, and gambling go together beautifully, but <laughs> cannabis and so so those things still don't gel, and I don't expect to see any kind of the casinos doing anything. But I do think that you're going to start seeing resorts like there's one here in in Jamaica that just opened up its own hemp house. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, what's the name of it? Uh, Hedonism. Hedonism too. and they okay. have they have their own hemp house on location with their own bud tender, one old guy there to. To, to hook you up on, on property, on site. So I think that's just a matter of time, especially here in Jamaica, uh, especially as more education is going out. Um, I'm hearing a lot more people here in Jamaica now, older people talking about CBD and CBN and uh, uh, not much more than that, the rest of it, but they, they, uh, they've got the CBD and, CBD and CBN and, and start taking oils and tinctures and things of that nature. So I think progress is on its way and again, I think the, the legalization part of it is, is the thing that's going to trip the whole thing, and then it just goes around the world. Yeah, and
1: yeah, I mean, Mexico seems to get closer and closer to legalization. It seems like they take two steps forward and then one or two steps backward, and, and they still haven't quite figured out how it's going to work yet. Um, you know, you have Mexico in the south, you get Canada in the north, you get the United States in the middle. At some point, North America is all going to be legalized or at least decriminalized. And in and in Jamaica itself, are are you finding that the indigenous people down there and and the Rastafarians are they finally getting their just due? Are they getting access to uh, perhaps being? Um, more capitalistic in nature down there? Because I remember uh, they were mm. fighting it in September of 2019 when we were down there together.
0: So I've only been here a month and, and I, I'm talking to a lot of Rosses, I'm talking to a lot of people. And you know, it's, 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 it's a real interesting scenario because you have you know these, a few big companies, uh, outside investors and such who have come in and they've opened up legalized hemp houses, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of those hemp houses, there's still local Rastas that are out there trying to sell, or even not Rastas, but just locals that are trying to sell locally grown, you know, out in the woods um, buds. Um, It's really It's an interesting contrast because like when I remember coming to Jamaica the first times, I would go and give some guy $20 and he would come back with a a shopping bag and you'd pull this thing out and this thing have three stocks on it. You'd have colas on it like this and you would think, oh my God, I hit the lottery. Look at this. This is the (laughs) most amazing score ever for $20, right? And then you would scrape it off with your hand and there would be 10,000 seeds 10,000 seeds, and you'd go, oh, okay, well, now I I understand the thing. You'd scrape the seeds out, and you would smoke up what that was, and it was really, really, really good. It was excellent sativa. And, you know, one of the things I'm noticing now is that, you know, in the legalized houses, you're getting a a higher quality of, of cannabis, but it's also a more processed kind of a bud. Right. I haven't seen a seed on anything. The buds have all been tight and everything. Um, But there was something about those buds that, you know, had never been touched by a human being, right? They're still like virgin buds. And you're getting these, this, this premium, you know, uncirculated bud. And even though the seeds are in there, you're still getting this really spectacular. I still have. A place in my heart for those buds, you know, <laughs> and and I'm smoking. I'm getting really great high, um, uh, high quality buds since I've been here. I've been to uh, five different uh, hemp houses so far since I've been let free. Uh, I've been very impressed with everyone. They're all doing a professional job. There's lots of great options. The place you went, did you go to Island Strains? I I remember that uh, one of the nights. Was there a
1: party? Was there a party there? Yeah. There was one oh, place. On the hip Strip.
0: To i went to
1: i know we went to kaya that much i remember
0: (laughs) well there was the the other one i think i think is is island strains which is right on the hip strip there and it's right next to uh, uh, the uh, margaritaville um i
1: think that's where we were i look there was one night that i'll admit i kind of remember it um You know, but it was such a, the whole place, it was the whole time we were down there, it was so laid back. And yet you had great access to some amazing speakers. And, but, you know, I can't compare it with any other convention, to be honest, because of the fact that everybody was just hanging out, talking to each other. It wasn't like there was a lot of planned activities, if you catch my drift, right? And we had access to
0: everyone. I mean, I sat and talked to Bruce Linton for 15 minutes after his round table thing. Uh, you were talking to—I mean, everybody—to uh, be able to speak to Steve D'Angelo, uh, you know, was was also a, a truly an honor, right? Um, yeah. There, it was—it was a really wonderful, wonderful experience. The Jack Herrera Cup also was great. That's where I got a chance to meet uh, Bali, that I believe is the owner of uh, uh, the Kaya coffee shops, and and they—they uh, uh, they won awards, I believe. They won a couple of awards uh, uh, during the event. So yeah, it was—it was spectacular um to get back to finish your your answer though about the coffee shops in the united states i'm going to go with i'm going to say one year from the time that everybody's legitimately in place i think that the economic pressure is going to be really strong in all these countries you're going to have to do something to get these people employed and give them opportunities to make money and i think legalization is one going to be one of the 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 easy answer is actually the easy answer to make, because then people can go to work right now and there's a workforce in place and a distribution system pretty much ready to go around the world. And you know, you've got uh, Luxembourg and Switzerland, which are a bit ready to flip and that'll take another section of the world. Uh, It'll be down to like China, North Korea and Russia. Oh, North Korea has buds. So China and and, uh, Russia will be the only places you can't get any weed.
1: There you go. Well, that's all right, because they're not on my bucket list anyway. uh, But all of Europe is. um, I do want to go back to uh, something we were talking about before. And of course, you know, you're so entertaining. I completely lose my my train of thought. But I I do want to ask about um, where are we going to be when and and do you you expect the social clubs? Oh, I know where I was going. Now I got it, and of course, you know it always comes back in a few minutes. It's like a delay. It's like a weed delay. And no, I'm straight right now. So ask the Rastas, who are one of the most spiritual people, who understand yeah. the power of this plant and understand that God put it on this earth for a reason. And now people are discovering what that reason is: the interaction with the endocannabinoid system, all the science and research around that. Do you think that God did COVID? In other words, put COVID on Earth. This this horrible virus that has killed way too many people, not only in the United States but all over the world, this horrific pandemic. And now they're giving they're give it's an opportunity for cannabis to emerge as almost like a saving industry mm-hmm. to regenerate the economy. Is that weird?
0: Yeah, you well, uh, know, it d- depends on which direction you want to go. If you want to jump into the Elon Musk category, where we're talking about this is all a software program and everything happens. To- based on uh, uh predisposed uh pre-existence of humans and they're doing that that's possible too uh if you want to go for jaw is making it happen i'm down with jaw i'm down with any kind of uh, a spiritual being that, that is making things happen i think there's you know one of the reasons i'm here uh, i don't know if you remember the last time w- when we were here but uh do you remember jonathan hirsch the know the name was, yeah okay so uh we instagram 416. he is a uh a, a cannabis professor. He's one of the best growers I've ever seen. He's brilliant. He's an expert at concentrates. Um, uh, talking to him and listening to him is like listening to an encyclopedia of weed also. And when he and I left some of the sessions at Canex last year, we went outside and there was a group of Rostas that were growers. And uh, one of the guys brought out his bud and I always carry my microscope with me. And I always have a black light with me. And I always have. So, so I said, oh, let's see what you got. Pull it up. And the first thing I did is hit it with a black light, and it, was, it had mildew all across the back of the butt. Whoa. And I, I went, oh, 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 well, yeah. do you see this? And, and he went, what's that? What's that? What's that? You know, and uh, Jonathan explained to him, you know, this is what's going on. This is how you could fix this. This okay. is a, And the next guy came and he came and he started with this really long uh, sales pitch with it. Oh, yeah, we come from five different generations, that we pass this down, this land race. And I, I, I work from morning to night, and I told him at one point, I said, okay, no more. I showed, pulled out my microscope, my big one, and I said, this is the truth. And I went through Amsterdam and heard every story and everything. I stopped listening to what you tell me. I'm going to let the flower talk to me. And I pull it up and then I can look and then, you know, that's that's really what interpreting is, is being able to ascertain the quality of a bug and what kind of effects it's going to have on you. And I can also, I'm checking for things that, that labs don't check for. You know, I'm looking for bugs. I'm looking for how old this is. I'm using my uh, aroma techniques in order to develop an idea of how strong this is, how long it's been, uh, if it was cured properly, all these different things, right? And so... I, I said, this is the truth. The next day when Jonathan and I came out, there was 20 Rasas out there with their buds. And they called us and said, Captain, show me the truth. Truth, show me the truth, Captain. Truth. So I, I, I love Rasas. I love the Jamaican people and I love teaching. And I'm, I've been kind of giving them tips and there's, there's a lot of room for improvement here on a lot of different things. Some of these growers have, have hybridized everything to death. Um, uh, they they know what they're doing. They're experts at what they're doing. They're limited in their resources. You know, um, right. when you get to the curing uh, portion of this the process, as Jonathan was talking to me about last night, you know, you can't take the buds and lay them down on a tin roof and dry them, right? And, and so there's limitations of things here because they don't have the right facilities to be able to do it properly, yeah. and
1: which is so bad I, because you know there is money going into investing into the Jamaican market. You would hope that perhaps some of the, the investors or those bigger companies would come in and and modernize the whole process.
0: The, the truth is, is that the, you know there's it's a poor country, know. you know, and, the, and there's and there's a you know it's, 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 it's hard to get things done. Um, it's it's a slow place. Um, it's an unbelievably beautiful country. And the people are just pure as gold. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back here. You know, leaving the Netherlands where 40% of the people over 50 years old or 40 years old, I should say, um, didn't believe that the coronavirus was real. They thought it was something else, or there was lots, I've heard all uh, 30 different stories about what they thought it was. And people weren't wearing masks. And in the place where we lived, we had a unique position where we could look down and this big walkway where you saw people every single day. And we were isolating, you know, basically from the time that we returned back. So I, I as soon as I finished my book and and they started to lock down, we were done. And then we never left except to go to a store. But we watched out the window and you know, again, 40 to 50% of the people weren't wearing masks. And even after they instituted stronger measures, they weren't wearing masks. And even when they, you know, old people, young people hanging out together, it was like we kept seeing every, watching bus crashes over and over and over again. And we finally said, you know, we gotta get out of here. Uh, this place is, is not gonna make it. And uh, we had lived here in Jamaica before. And of course we found out how beautifully Jamaica is handling this virus. Uh, they track you as soon as you arrive you have to pre-approve get approved by the government to come in after you show that you've had your positive or your negative test and as soon test. as you yeah negative test and then as soon as you arrive the, your phone you have to set to location so that they can track you and then they make you check in twice a day and you have to show your temperature and uh, huh. if you're in a, if you're in a resort you can move about the whole resort if you're in a house like what we were, or we are, you had to stay right in that place, and then uh, so we pre stocked our house ahead of time. Uh, I, I had everything so I didn't have to leave the house for two weeks, and uh, it worked out just fine. It's the best quarantine I ever had in my life laying in a pool at 80 degrees every day.
1: Oh, oh, I'm, I'm so brutal. jealous! I'm so I jealous. Hey, sorry. one thing I've learned, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of interesting people every, every seems to be every day now, because uh, we're doing three days a week of, of live uh, cannabis talk and cannabis chat and interviews, um, is the the fact that there's a seed market that is, while it's not legal, it's legal, and it's not decriminalized, but it's not, I mean, can you enlighten me a little bit about the genetics world, the world of seeds and how uh, you can go on the internet and buy seeds from uh, anywhere all over the world.
0: Well, it, it, they're different and obviously different in every country. Um, here, um, I have not explored the seed market. Um, I haven't seen them available and I haven't really had a discussion about it. Um, obviously seeds are plentiful here because of the, you know, the nature of the, of the, uh, of the Island itself. And you know, mm-hmm. that, with its width and length and everything, and there's hemp farms on here. So you've got that pollen that's in the air. So unless you're in a greenhouse and using the proper filters, um, you know, you're gonna have some issues. And even if you're using a feminized seed, as Jonathan was telling me again last night, they're only 99% uh, guaranteed. So one out of 100 uh, is gonna be a male. So if you just go out and plant your seeds and you don't really monitor it too well, uh, you know, that's kind of what you end up with. And there's there's that kind of happening here in different spots. Um, as far as the, in Amsterdam, you know, that's a completely different thing. It's like the diamond market for seeds there in Amsterdam. And you also have the London seed market, which is also, uh, I think, something that people don't talk about enough. The London seed market has some really exclusive cultivators utilizing that. I know that the people in... Um, uh, Gigi strains, the original people who created uh, Gorilla Glue, uh, mm-hmm. was selling some of their uh, seeds through that through that market as well. There was
1: a that, that that was a lawsuit, so you can't mention Gorilla Glue anymore. Am I right? It's just GG Gigi Gigi strains.
0: Gigi yeah, yeah, strains. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You know, and we lost we lost those two legends, uh, uh, Josie Wales and uh, Lone Waddy, the, the, that that created that cult- cultivar. cultivar. Um, uh, which is sad, but uh, Gigi is still going strong, as uh, as I understand it, and kicking butt. They got some new stuff coming out.
1: Of course they do. Hey, Captain Hooter, I always enjoy uh, hanging out with you, talking with you. I learned so much. First of all, we know it's CaptainHooter.com, uh, and uh, you, you want to give yourself uh, another plug and how people can find you, if you want to be found, of course. You can always
0: find me. I'm on Instagram, uh, uh, Captain Hooter on Instagram, I'm Captain Hooter on, tw- on Twitter, on YouTube, it's youtube.com forward slash Captain Hooter. And you can see some of my, uh, my uh, uh, reviews, of my weekend bud reports that I did uh, for people coming to Amsterdam. And uh, I've just started on working on my new book here, which will be a connoisseur's guide to the Jamaican hemp houses. And I'm also working on a new podcast. It's going to be a little wake and bake show at the beginning of the year. So uh, Captain Hooter's going to be busy, baby. We're going to be moving.
1: <laughs> well, we hope, we hope to get an opportunity to talk to you again when you launch your podcast and perhaps even re-air it here if you would like, but we'll, we'll talk more about that offline as they say. Uh, for I got to tell you though, please enjoy yourself in Jamaica. I'll be thinking of you basking by the pool and checking out those palm trees and looking at the beautiful ocean out there. It will help me through the shoveling process that we yeah. have to deal with in New England, uh, so again.
0: I'll, uh, you're more than welcome to live through me vicariously, and uh, <laughs> if you want, I'll send you a picture once a day with me out <laughs> in the pool, you know, with a cold drink. Uh, uh, ice has already melted, because it's so warm out.
1: <laughs> I love it, I love it, and uh, and it's great reconnecting with you, sir, and I look forward to continuing this this friendship. So for Captain Hooter, I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media, remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We Talk Now, We Talk News, and In the Weeds are all available on most major podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our friends at clnsmedia.com and our flagship, cannabis.net. So subscribe, share, and like our videos on all the social media networks out there, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Tube, and YouTube. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area, now with three locations in greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first.